On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. This is uh, the second piece of a series I just kicked off, uh, and I'm hoping this morning to not just encourage us, but to challenge us. Uh, it's one thing, we walk, we walk into church, and sometimes, I've been in churches, where I it's just feel like I just got my butt kicked. It's like, wow, that was a discouraging week, and now this morning I just hear that I'm a slug. You know, a spiritual slug. It's like, I'm never going to be good enough, I'm never going to measure up. I, I've been in those churches. I've also been in churches where I was like, well, that was really tasty, but it wasn't filling. Uh, and there's other times where I'm like, wow, I'm so full, you fed me way too much. You know, six-course meal in five minutes, like, wow, what just happened? I'm trying to combine those things. I, I want to encourage us, uh, but I also want to challenge us. And so this series uh, leading up to Resurrection Sunday is Welcome to the Kingdom. Welcome to the Kingdom. Today I'm going to be talking about holy habits, not the Catholic nuns. That's what I, first thing I hear of habits, I think of those funny hats, right? Okay. The goal of this series is to grow up, to grow with, and to grow out in our faith. That, that's, my, that's my goal, is that we're growing up. Uh, it's a word that's used consistently in the Bible. Grow, mature in your faith, etc. It's like, but I, I think a lot of us are either a bored again Christians. We're we're just kind of like doing the same old, same old, same old, or we're newborn Christians year after year after year, and we're not really growing up. But the Bible's calling us to grow up. Uh, we are a special people. I went over this last week because, here's why, because we belong to God. God says this in, in, in 1 Peter. Peter tells us, you are God's, listen to this, this phraseology, you are God's very own special possession. I go, wait a minute. Later in the, in the New Testament, we hear that we've been adopted, not just adopted, okay, yeah, I'll take them all. No, it's, uh, no, that one. I want that one. And I was chosen. I was chosen. I can't get into all of those things this morning, but I, I want you to know if, we, if we're going to walk out and walk in this identity that I've been talking about, it, we're going to need to include some practices, some disciplines, or some habits, right? So that's what I want to get to today. I want to encourage you, uh, if you weren't here last week, please go on the app, go on YouTube, go on Facebook, wherever you got to do You can get the podcast, but I encourage you to listen to the foundation uh, as I opened this series last week. Listen to the foundation of what I'm talking about because I think it'll help uh, make more sense of even today. Uh, many of us have either seen uh, going into today, many of us have either seen or heard or be, even been a part of like a, uh, a, a church program or an initiative that says, hey, we got to get out into our community, we got to get out into our neighborhoods and, and be evangelists, right? And, uh, and as much as I know that that is right and we're supposed to be sharing our faith with others, I, I believe there's something really important that we're missing. And if you got your app open, here's your first notes, here it comes. Evangelism's a lifestyle, it's not a project, it's not something we do because the pastor calls us to it. It's not something that we do because, well, the church has this little program that we're doing, and we're all supposed to go door to door and share these things. Evangelism is something that we are, not something that we do. Evangelism is a lifestyle, not a project. Now, I defined this word evangel, the beginning of this, and, and all of its extensions. There's evangelism, evangelistic, evangelist, right? There's all kinds, of, brought in, I, I brought all that last week, so again, if you missed that, please go back to the app uh, and hear that, go get the podcast, etc. 
The problem with this, this, this lifestyle thing, is there's a lot of space between our faith, right, what we say we believe, and walking it out. I think that space is a lot bigger than we would like to admit. I say I believe this, but how that plays out might look a little bit different. The truth is that we are what we do, not what we say we will do. Those of you parents in the room go, oh yeah, right? It's not what we say, it's what we actually do, right? So open up your Bibles, come with me to the New Testament. We're going to go back here to a guy named James. Let's go to James, James chapter 2, way in the back here. James chapter 2, and I want you to to catch this. James chapter 2, starting in verse 18. I'm just going to read one verse here with us. To get, us, to get us going. And, uh, and, and I want you to hear this. James has got a lot to say, a lot of great things. And if you ever just want a really rough week, read the book of James. Because he's just got some good things to say. Okay, James chapter 2, verse 18. Listen to what he says here. Now, some people would argue that some people have faith and others have good deeds. Well, I, I, you know, my, my faith is in the things that I do. And the other person is, my faith is in the things that I believe. And what we will learn very quickly is that those who sit in the belief camp are very little in their actions, and those who are in the actions camp can be, both, both sides, can be very little in their actual understanding of faith. They go, I just got to work for God. So both of these things can be out of balance, and the idea is to, to manage the tension. Because... All the work that I do isn't going to get me to heaven. That's already done. But do I know how I'm getting into heaven? Do I even have knowledge of what is my faith? Right? Our actions shape our faith. Our actions shape our faith. We are what we repeatedly do. We know this. We are what we repeatedly do. And that's why we, we need to focus this evangelism thing is on our lifestyle. See, everyone knows that excellence isn't a single act. Oh, I did this excellent thing yesterday, therefore I am excellent. No, that has to be done over and over and over again. And so the problem is, is that when we're working so hard at it, we forget that a habit is what will really help us. And, and I want you to hear this. We can transfer this idea of habits into faith. We can transfer this idea of habits into our faith because faith isn't just a single act. Faith is more than a choice. It's more than just a belief system. It's a habit. Here's the definition of habit. Check out habit. And we know this word, right? But look at the way it says it. A settled or regular. Regular. Now, without getting too graphic, we know what being regular means. If you are not regular, you have problems, right? But regular, more often than not. We have to do things regularly in order for it to be a habit. So watch this. Listen, if this is the first day that you've opened your Bible, you are not regularly in the Bible. Well, it's once a week. Would you say that about how you eat breakfast or lunch or dinner? I eat regularly once a week. That's not going to cut it. See, regularly. Oh, sorry. It just disappeared. Pull that back up for me. Thank you. This regular tendency to practice, especially something that's hard to give up. It's something that has come into us. It's a practice, and watch this, it's normal. 
This is what I do. This is who I am. This is a part of my life. Some people would say that's brushing your teeth and flossing. Other people would say it needs to be brushing teeth and flossing. Okay. Um, We all have these habits, right? And the habits shape, listen to me, our habits shape our values. Our habits shape our values. In fact, I think habits are probably one of the most overlooked spiritual disciplines. Uh, there was a time in the church where the thought of a habit or a daily quiet time was essential. If we're going to grow in nurturing the Christian faith, if we're going to grow in our love of the Bible, if we're going to grow in how we practice prayer or, or even learning how to pray, we needed to have a daily, what was called a quiet time or devotional time. Today, I want to talk about a couple of habits that could shape our lives as what I talked about last week, us being missionaries. We're missionaries in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our schools, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're a missionary. And we don't just come in and go, hey, you guys need to know. This. No, you, you got to get to know who I'm talking to. I need to learn the language. I need to learn the customs. I need, you, don't, you don't become a missionary your first day in Jerusalem and say, hey, come on over for bacon and eggs. You go, oh, we don't eat pork here. We, we have to know who we're talking to. And so as missionaries, I think that I'm going to give us a couple of habits today that I think will change us. And, and I want you to know, and when I'm talking about this evangelism, I'm not, I'm not so much concerned about church growth. I, I know a lot of people put a, a lot of emphasis on church growth. I, I, I'm more concerned about the rule and reign of God. That's why I called this, this series The Kingdom. It's about the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom. He, he wants us to pray like this. Let the kingdom come here as it is in heaven. Let, let that invade this. And, and I'm, I'm not so concerned about church growth. And again, that, it, it's not wrong that the church should grow, but it, as I mentioned last week, it's about being attractive. Is, is what we're doing and what we're saying attractive, or is it putting burdens on people? It's like, man, I can't live under that. Man, Christians, they got a lot of rules. There are evangelists, I mentioned last week, there are evangelists who are gifted who can share the good news in all of its detail, in all of its theology, in all of its clarity. But there's only a few of those. Not everybody is an evangelist. Everybody does the work of evangelism, but not everybody's an evangelist. And it's cool. We can hear an evangelist. We hear people like Billy Graham. You're like, wow, because he's an evangelist. We hear Greg Laurie, and we go, man, that was so clear. How did he make it so clear so fast? Because that's the gift. But we're all doing evangelism. But the problem is that for many of us, it doesn't look like the Billy Graham or the Greg Laurie, right? Which is why I'm encouraging us to live questionable lives. Live a life that has people going, what is that? That's very different. The way you treat your family, the way you treat your coworkers, the way you treat the, the way I see you interact, the way I see you handle your finances, the way I see you steward the things in your life, that's very different than Everybody else, what is that? We're living questionable lives, people will question us. And we're doing this, living those questionable lives by living, listen to this, living in the kingdom and not just lifing, right? I don't want to do some living. I want to live. I don't want to just have life on this planet. In Matthew, come over here to Matthew, would you please, in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6, you've probably heard this before. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking one of the first of the good news books, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 33. Jesus is talking, and he says this. I need you to do this here. 
I need you to, ready? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. But what about my retirement account? Above all else. What about a bigger house? Above all else. What about a spouse? Above all else. Yeah, but I'll have fulfillment if I have this much money in my account. Above all else. Listen to what he says. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and then live righteously. Here's the key. And then God will give you everything you need. We see, I, 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 this is stuff that I want in my life. And here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, this stuff, if you'll do this over here, you'll have everything you need. Not everything you want. Because I got a whole bunch of wants. I don't know about you, but my list of wants is twice, three times, four times longer than I think my needs. The beauty is when Jesus says this, he's sorting it for us. Well, I need, I need, I need, I need. And watch this. When I seek the kingdom, he goes, now you really see what you need and what you don't need. Now I'm going to divide for you what it is that you want, that you think you need. You don't need that. Oh, yeah. Because the kingdom aligns our thinking. If only, if, if our only habits as Christians are going to church and attending meetings or a worship night, I'm telling you, it's just not questionable. I go to the same place every Sunday morning. And he goes to the same place every Friday night. And they go to the same softball field every Thursday afternoon. See, having a habit like that, that's not questionable. I believe God is calling us to live more than that. Here's your next fill-in. What are the habits that unite us? That unite us together as believers? What are the habits in your life, that people go, oh, that's, that's faith, that's Christian. And then, what are the habits that propel us into the lives of other people? What are the habits in our lives that bring us together as believers, and what are the habits in our lives that push us out into the world? Growing up, I was in church uh, five nights a week, I went to first service, second service, and third service. I went to first service. I taught in second service. And in third service, I had young adults. That, this is what I was doing. And as soon as I got out of high school, I was teaching. I was in two services, going to church and teaching Sunday school when I was in high school. And then got out of high school, and then I was going to church, teaching Sunday school, and then going to young adults. It was like, man, and then Wednesday nights had something going on. Tuesday nights was small groups. Thursday nights was men's groups. Saturday nights was some sort of a prayer group. I was in church all the time. That got to be a problem because I wasn't propelled into the lives of other people. I spent all my time within the walls of the church. There was a problem with that because we need habits that are going to re-energize us, that are going to push us and, again, connect us more deeply to not only Jesus but to the people around us. It's not in the Bible. But you've heard this phrase, they're, they're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. You may have heard this phrase, it's, that's not the Bible. But I know how it's played out, I know where the saying comes from, because I go, yeah, you're so connected to church, you, you speak Christianese, and people listen to you and go, I don't get it. 
Something has to change. So today I want to share just two habits. I want to encourage us with these two habits. Here's the first habit I think we need that we will become, we will begin to live questionable lives. And it's learning how to bless people. I just, I don't know what's happened, uh, but I just, I just think we've forgotten how to bless people. And when I say bless, what I'm talking about when I say bless is simply calling down favor. I want good things in your life. I want good things in your life. I want prosperity in your life. I want happiness in your life. But I think I'm pursuing my own happiness, my own prosperity, my own, right, my own, the favor in my own life far too often. What I'm talking about when I'm, when I'm talking about blessing people, I'm talking about building people up, encouraging people, greeting them with a smile on our face, going out of our way to make sure that the first, listen to me now, and the last thing that we talk about isn't bad news. Do you have any of those friends you avoid because they're going to be a downer? And if you don't have that person, it could be you. Okay. There's just those moments like, oh, you know what, I'm going to get together with that person, and the first thing out of their mouth is, can you believe the economy? Can you believe the politicians? Can you believe what's happening in our culture? I'm like, oh, man, it's just a drag. And then somehow I can kind of divert the conversation, kind of like, come on, come on, let's, let's you know, get, get up a little bit here, right? We get there, and then finally it's, okay, it's time to go, hey, and don't forget the economy is still terrible, and politics, I'm like, oh, man, It's hard. What happened? What happened to game nights? Now, I mean, it was back in the day. You know, back in the day, we're gonna play. It's pinochle night, and you know what they did? They sat around laughing and scratching, right? Played cards, they got hearts and whatever, right? They're doing all this stuff. But what, what happened to game nights, where we just hung out? We, we don't do that anymore because we take ourselves far too seriously. I'm gonna talk about in a little bit here. I'm gonna talk about laughing around the table. We need to laugh around the table. I'm gonna get to that in a minute. But blessing isn't complicated. Blessing people is not complicated. It's, it's something that relieves the burden of life. It could be words. It could be an action. It's anything that lifts a person's spirit that alleviates their distress. Here's the three ways I think we bless people. Now, I think it happens in three ways. Blessing people takes on different forms. The first one is just words. Just, our, just words. Hey, man, let me encourage you. Affirmation. These are positive words. Hey, wow, you look great. Hey, you got a new haircut. We don't, we don't pay attention anymore. All those new glasses. They are new. I can't tell you how many times. I w- just, listen, having eyes to see, ears to hear. Hey, are, are you, have you been sick? Your throat's a- Oh, yeah, I was really, man, the, the pollen count has just been crazy. Oh, but watch this. That person goes, oh, you know my voice? That you could hear the difference? Hey, you got a haircut. Hey, those are new glasses. Hey, is this new? Whatever it is. To, to just affirm someone. Hey, and, and, and these, aren't, these aren't spiritual things. We're not talking about blessing people. These aren't, these aren't like, I, I've called forth a blessing onto your life. No, it, it, don't, that's not what I'm talking about. We might pray for people. I pray for people all the time. But what about just, just some plain old encouraging words? Mark Twain said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. And then you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, oh yeah. Somebody can say, positive, 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 negative. And what do I walk away with? Why is that? And all it tells me is, I I need to encourage people more. 
If, I, I, if, if they function the way I function, that I can zero in and nail the target on the negative, I need to be far more positive. It's easy to focus on the negative. Here's the second one, acts of kindness. Just do somebody a favor. My neighbor and I, it's, I think it's some sort of a, I don't know how it happened. There's some sort of an unwritten, unspoken competition. Who can bring in whose trash cans after trash day? It's like, dude, you got both of my cans today, you know? Or, or like, I'll leave late for work one day, and the truck is coming early, and he's still, he's still down in the valley because he had to go take his kids to school. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got his can today. You know, and, and, and it's, it, I don't know how it happened, but, but, I, but I'm telling you, it's that kind of simplicity. Imagine your neighbor going, hey, thanks for bringing those up for me. Thanks for bringing those back from the curb. Because you know where they keep them, Right? Listen to how simple, this, this is a very simple act of kindness. What if you're walking out of somebody's house, you're at somebody's place, right, and you see, you see a box, and it's, you know, it's all addressed, and it's got the return and everything, and the postage there. Oh, what's this? Oh, I, I just got to get by the post office. Let me take that for you. The post office is on my way home. Let me do that for you. Wait, seriously? Oh, it's been there for like four days. I just haven't been able to. Have you ever had those situations? You're hearing someone say something, and I'm telling you, it's at that moment you could go, I could relieve that burden for you. I can do that. And it's not good. Watch this. Here's the heart. This is the worst part. It's not really going to cost me anything. <laughs> it's not like I said, oh, it's $65 to mail that FedEx overnight. I'll pay for that. that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, oh, that has to be dropped off at the such a, oh, yeah, it's, it's just a bag for the Salvation Army. We just, it's, we just haven't had time to get over there. Oh, Salvation Army's on my way over. I'll, I'll take it for you. Oh, that would be so great. You just had an act of kindness. Here's the, here's the third one. Just gifts. Just gifts. Who doesn't love a gift? I'll tell you what. I, I would tell you what it is, but I would be afraid that I would be inundated with it. So uh, I'll tell you anyway. I love juicy fruit gum. Please, please don't go buy me juicy fruit gum, right? Oh, let's buy. But, but I'm the reason I say that is because it's that easy. My bride will bring home some juicy fruit gum. I'm like, oh. It costs all of like 65 cents. And she probably got it on the sale rack for 10 packs for 65 cents. You know what I mean? But it's like, you were thinking of me. Gifts are super simple. They don't have to be expensive to be impactful. It just means that we understand, oh, we're cared for. We're valued. Right? It's the thought that counts. Not so much how much this thing costs. It's the thought. So we need to be encouraging and, that, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm, that's what I'm trying to communicate this morning is, watch this. When we do these things, it means I care. I see you. I hear you. I am with you. I am for you. In this simple way, let me drop that off for you. Let me take that for you. Really? Hey, thanks for bringing in my trash can. Whatever it is. Hey, I saw, I saw you got that for Oh, thank you. We are blessed to bless. That's what the Bible says. We are blessed to bless. It's all over the place. We're blessed to bless. And you know what? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take it and I'll stretch it out. We are graced to grace. 
we keep going. I am mercied to mercy. I am pieced to peace. That's, that's what Paul says. He says, listen to this. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. You have been comforted so that, listen to this, you have been comforted so that when other people encounter the things that you've encountered, you can comfort them with the same comfort I comforted you. Do you catch that? I gave you this so that when somebody else goes through what you're going through, you can give to them what I gave to you. That's this again. This is a principle of through. Principle of through. Amy Carmichael spent the majority of her life in India, and she says this. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. It's not possible. If I'm going to love somebody, I'm going to have to give something. I have to give. Almost everything written on the subject of love says that at the heart of love is the spirit of giving. Come over here to Philippians. Flip over to Philippians. Come with me. New Testament. You got your Bible bookshelf over there, Philippians. Come over here, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. There's little tiny books, and man, they get lost really quick. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Paul is writing this to the church in Philippi, right? So these are to those people in Philippi called the Philippians, right? And there's these churches meeting all over town. They're in homes. And he says this, Philippians chapter 2, starting verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as... Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests but take an interest in others too. This is the spirit that I'm talking about. This, this is where it starts. At the forefront of blessing people is to keep our motivations pure. Oh, I'm going to get them this so they'll get me that. You know what that is, right? That's not what Paul's talking about. We get caught up sometimes, going back to this missionary picture, we get caught up in being converters rather than blessers. And people know the difference. People know it when they see it. So the only reason you're talking to me right now is you, you're trying to get me to go to church with you. Is there some sort of spiritual scoreboard you have? Because, man, I don't think, watch this, and you, you've heard this saying before, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And people know it. They go, so I'm just a project for you, huh? I'm some, there's some sort of a, 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 a scorekeeping mechanism, and you, is, however many people you can bring to church, that's me, right? And, and that puts a bad taste in people's mouth every time. Blessing people means we've got to become students of the people we're trying to bless. Remember, we're missionaries, not tourists. You've been there, you've seen it. We're like, wow, what a tourist. You're like, you're messing up the whole thing. We're quiet, we're here, we're enjoying this. Hey, take a picture. Hey, come stand in front of me. Like, hey, we're all enjoying this. Stop. Proverbs chapter 27. Oh, man. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to go there because I, I, I want you to hear this. Proverbs chapter 27. Oh. 
is so, so powerful because I go, I, I've caught myself doing this sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I need to take care of that. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. I've got to get to it here first. Psalms, Proverbs 27. Come on to me. 27, 14. You're going to hear it. You're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've been there. I've been on the receiving end of that one. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. He's saying, hey, listen, we, got it. we have to wait patiently. We're supposed to wait patient. We're supposed to be courageous. We're supposed to, we're, we're supposed to be brave. But there are times it's like, I'm just not. I'm just not. And what the Lord is trying to get to us is, watch this, when I want to be courageous, I get there and I go, I know what I need to do. If I can just be a blessing, well, now I'm courageous, right? So first, I want to be courageous. And I'm, I'm, Lord, how do, how do you want me to do it? I'm going to be courageous, and I'm going to, I'm going to go be a blessing to somebody. Watch how, watch how the writer of Proverbs lays it out for us. He says this, a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. That's why I told you to pray for my bride, because I wake up and I'm awake. She's like, please go be somewhere else. <laughs> Wherever that is, just let it be far away from me. Right? Because she's like, you're too loud, you're too loud. Hi, good morning. <laughs> See, and I, I wait for the Lord. I go, Lord, I have this moment, and I'm going to do it now. now. That's why I say, again, if we approach things as missionaries, we go, oh, wait a minute. And I'm, I'm letting you know the first practice of being a missionary, of living questionable lives and blessing people with our words, with our actions and tangible gifts is understanding what it is they need. For, for, we still deal with it. My bride... She's gluten-free. And when people don't know that, we, we always have to make that known because it's really easy. The whole world is filled with gluten. But someone will say, hey, we're, we're going to have you over for dinner. So, okay, great. Listen, my, my bride is gluten-free. We have to let that known because what's going to happen is they're going to have us over and we're going to have pasta and it's going to have gluten in it. And then, watch this, then the blessing's not a blessing, right? I, I had to learn that. I, I had to learn, as a husband, the hard way, Right? Oh, she doesn't like these, she likes this. It, it's not flowers, it's cards. Now that's on a personal level, right? We, we have to learn how to interact with other people. But we have to learn how to interact with coworkers, with neighbors, with people, people all around. We have to go, oh, what would be a blessing to them? And, and we have to find out, is this just going to come across as yelling in the morning? Will this truly be a blessing? Here's the second habit of people who live questionable lives. And I think personally, so the first one is blessing people, right? This one I think is really missing these days. Listen to me now. It's eating with people. Let me get there. I'm talking about preparing and sharing a meal. Together, breaking bread. This, is what, this hangs in my kitchen, it's, it's about four by four. It's, it's about this big. It's a big, huge piece. Life happens around the table. We have somehow, we have lost the gift of hospitality. I, I get how we got here for, for a lot of it as of reason, of recent with the pandemic, and, and then we have a commuter culture, and so people get home, and it's like, I've just been, I've been driving on the freeway for an hour. I'm not in the mood to make anything, et cetera, right? So, but... I think it's missing 
And I, I don't know how to, we, we've lost how to have someone or someones over for a meal. We will meet them somewhere. Hey, I'll meet you at such and such restaurant, right? We know how to eat out. We don't know how to eat in anymore. We don't know how to have people over. And think about the differences between eating out versus eating in. Having someone over, either them here or us there, right? Watch this. Who's serving? Them. There's no hosting going on. The host or hostess is the person who goes, Walker, table two. Right? That, that's, that's now hosting. But who's hosting? Who's serving? Where's the hospitality in it all? I can't this fork is dirty. Hey, I need a new fork. We get entitled when we eat out. Right? Portions. Kids. How do, how do kids learn how to interact with people? Why, it's so easy because in a restaurant they bring you, this is your food and this is all you get. But when they're eating at a potluck, oh, I want six slices of pizza and I want some of those chips. And you're like, hey, there's a bunch of other people here. We, we've forgotten. Who does the cleanup? Is the waiter going to come take these dishes away? We've forgotten how to be hospitable, how to have somebody over, how to bring some flowers when you come to somebody's house. How to, how to bring a, a host guest. Here, hey, we brought the dessert. We brought a bottle of wine. Whatever it is, I don't know. We've just forgotten because we'll meet out rather than meet in. And it's a heck of a lot easier. I don't want to do the dishes. After they leave, oh, wait till they do dishes. And I'll have to be up till 11.30 doing dishes tonight. We've forgotten how to serve. That's what happens. Because I'd rather have somebody else do the dishes. Okay, we'll pay a little extra for it. And please don't forget, it's only a blessing if the person on the receiving end says that it's a blessing. Again, so I go to a house, and they don't know, and I didn't make it known, but we're serving pasta, and my bride's going, I'll have salad tonight. And then we realize the dressing has flour in it too. It's like, God, it's just a total, and, and now watch, what do you think my host feels like? They feel horrible, but it's not their fault. They just didn't know. But see, here's what I've learned as a missionary. Hey, we're, we're going to have you over for dinner. Is there, you guys have any food preferences, allergies? That's what a missionary does. What do I need to know about you before I have you here? Three times Jesus stated this sentence. I, I want you to see the sentence. The Son of Man came. Three times Jesus gave this sentence. This is the way it starts. And then he finishes it like this. First time he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Second time Jesus used this phrase, he said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The third time Jesus came, he said, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. This is what Jesus said. Now, do you see any pattern here? Not to serve, but to serve. To be served, but to serve. To seek and save the lost, eating and drinking. There, there's a pattern here. The first two tell us about his motives. Why he came. Not to be served, but to serve, and to seek and save the lost. The third one tells you the method that he came. First two, the motive. Why and doing what? 
Why did he come? To save the lost. Why did he come? Because he needed to serve. How did he do it? By eating and drinking. And I'm telling you, it got him into a lot of trouble. The wedding at Cana, he went to his cousin's house, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? And then he he has Matthew, hey, Matthew, I'm coming, I'm at your house tonight. Hey, Zacchaeus, get down out of the tree, I need to be at your place. He's constantly doing this. I think this is why his critics accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard because he came eating and drinking. There's way too many, but in your app, by the way, I I put a bunch of scenarios down right out of the Bible that just talk about us eating with one another. It's interesting to me that the one thing Jesus actually told us to do to remember him when we gathered together was done in the context of a meal. Did you know Jesus did not say, and when you get together on Sunday mornings and sing songs, remember me. Every time you go to church, remember me. You know what he did? He said this, when you're having a meal together, have communion and remember me. The one thing he told us was this. And I see it and I go, ah. And it's this thing that I think we're missing as well. I'll put this up. The table is the primary symbol of the Christian gathering. I don't think the cross is the primary symbol. I have no problem with the cross. The cross is beautiful when you understand it, when you come to understand, oh, wow, that's a beautiful thing. The tomb, an amazing thing. Yes, absolutely. But the table... Having communion, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, the Eucharist, the Passover, the sacrament, whatever you call it, it's a meal that is celebrated. This is what I did. This is me. This is the way I celebrated. I was in high school, and uh, my, my parents, we would have Sabbath celebrations, and so this is our bread bowl, and this is our communion cup, and I'm in wood shop, and I created these pieces because we had communion in our home on Saturday nights. And so my mom would put the bread in here and everybody would take out a piece of bread and then we'd fill this cup with wine and we'd go all the way around the table and we would have communion in our home. I don't have communion in my home anymore. Dang it. These are up in a cabinet as a fond memory of the past. And I, and I, I was writing this teaching and I'm going, I'm bringing those bad boys back out. We're going to start having communion in the house more. Because this is the way we're to remember him. One of the most precious gifts I have. These are shampoo bottles from a hotel. My father got them and turned them into a communion set. These are grape nuts and wine. And he said, I want you to have these. These are for you, Mark. I'm like, I know these things. Because we celebrate it. My father and I celebrate communion. We go camping together, etc. And he always brings communion. And we have communion together. And he said, I want you to have these. I'm like, I get to have shampoo bottles. It was like, it was just one of these moments, you know. I'm like, I get to have those. These are precious to me because it represents us coming together. Because at the table, at the table, there's hospitality. At the table, there's inclusivity. There's generosity. At the table, there's lingering. You eat out, you guys, there's, there's a whole crowd. People are waiting for this table. But you have people over, you guys, it's 1130. You need to go, right? No. Right? There's grace, but I, I want to encourage you, start with your family. Hey, if your family's not having a meal regularly around, regularly around the table, start with your family. 
Forget about other people. We, our kids hated it. Oh, we're having family dinner. Like, really? Come on. Right? I don't care. We're doing this anyway. And, oh, my family, we had to sit at the table for 45 minutes. Are you kidding? Don't eat so fast. Right? We're sitting at the table. We're going to be here for 45 minutes. Because they're like, please, stick a fork in my eye. Right? It's like, no, this is what we're doing. We're having family dinner night. We're going we're gonna to be talking. Because at the table... We get to know who we are, where we come from, what we value, what we believe. Stories come out at the table. We learn what it means to be family, how to live in responsibility and in loving relationships. At the table, we live out our neighborliness, having people over, our citizenship in the kingdom. At the table, we're, we're beginning to understand how we belong. We, we celebrate this. We pass a cup. There's this sharing moment at the table. We celebrate solidarity with people not only in the room, but outside the room because every time you have the table, you're having the table with other people who are having the table. Now, I'm just calling it that, but it, it is having a meal, but it's saying, let me stop for a moment. We're sharing our stories, our hopes, our fears, our disappointments. We're having a conversation we're with other people, and, and please hear me. Once you start having those family nights, then start adding to the table. We need to have that family over with our family. We, we've forgotten. We know how to eat out. We forgot how to eat in, how to be a host. Hey, are, are the forks? Watch, it's teaching our kids. If we got that kind of family, hey, you get the silverware out. You get the plates out. You get the cups out. Hey, fill the jug with water. We're going to learn how to host and serve other people. I came not to be served, but to serve. Now it's, what's, what's our waiter's name again? Hey! We've become entitled. So these two holy habits are about us living questionable lives. Blessing people, right, with words of affirmation, acts of kindness, and gifts. And then just having table with somebody. Think about it. I want you to think about it. Who can I have over? Who can we have over? Well, first, we need to have us over. We don't sit down at the table anymore. Well, he's running there. She's running there. I'm by, I live by myself. Cool. Go to your family. Uh, that's not a good place for me to be. Great. Then come be with family. Invite family over. I have an apartment. Then that's enough for one person, two people. See, we make all kinds of excuses to stop this thing from happening. The table. We can't have people over. Sure we can. We can. Here's some scriptures for this week. I've got these for you. This is what we talked about today. We're going to turn these rows into circles. We're going to have a little conversation for about five minutes. Here's here's questions for conversation. What's your takeaway? What stands out to you? You're hearing me yammer on, right? But what was it like when he said, I really thought of, and what are some of the habits and practices that would unite me with other believers, and what are some of the habits and practices that could propel me into the lives of other people? If you're sitting by yourself, find somebody you sit with, 